Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Hi, everybody. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us here this morning. Uh, we're rolling into our, uh, our third spring here in western Pennsylvania, but we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, if you would, would you please stand as we worship here this morning? Glorify our great God.
Amen. How's everybody doing? Good? A couple of you? Good? <laughs> well, good morning, Crossroads. Welcome. Glad that you're all here. Listen, um, God is good. And uh, all the time, God is good. Amen. I love that. Um, <clears throat> but hey, listen, we have, I want to share a few things um, that are just happening here at our church here in a second. But I want to welcome our, our guests, all of our guests in the house. Welcome. Um, we're, we're thankful for you. We've been praying for you. Listen, and I think sometimes we forget to say that, and you're kind of like, why am I here today? You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. In church, it is our privilege as the staff here to pray for you. Um, and so if there's anything we could be praying for you about, please grab those Connect cards in front of you. You can also um, just stop by the Welcome Center. Um, you can fill one out. Um, you just, just You can put it. You can make it anonymous. You can write your name on it. Um, but just know it would be a privilege to pray for you. Um, some people just write, please, please, you know, please pray for, and they put a name, and then they just leave it anonymous, and then we go through and pray fervently in our staff meetings every week um, for these prayers. And so God is, um, God answers prayer, church. He does. And so just know it's a privilege. So if we can connect with you and pray with you, um, you know, use those connect cards in front of you, and then as you're leaving, you can either put them in the offering box. There's one in the auditorium, one in the lobby, or you can give it to the people at the Welcome Center, and they'll take care of it. Um, but we will get that, and we will be praying for you and follow up. If there's anything we can connect with you about. Some people are like, hey, I have questions about this, 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 or that. Please use those connect cards, and it would be a privilege to connect with you and answer any questions and or maybe give you resources to help you in your walk with Christ um, or just connect you in a group. Um, listen, speaking of groups, we have a new study that just launched on Wednesday night, uh, one for men and then one for uh, ladies. Uh, it, they uh, had a a successful kick kickoff, and uh, so they are going to be every Wednesday, 6.30, men meeting here. The ladies meet over in room 207, uh, and so Nancy Baker leads the ladies' study, and then I actually lead the men's study on Wednesday nights. It is, uh, we had 20 guys in our uh, men's study last week. It was awesome, and so I know Nancy's been busting at the doors to get, the, you know, to get make big, bigger room, uh, and so, you know, it's God's been blessing our church and growing our church. So kids ministry on Wednesday night. We also have middle school, Route 56 on Wednesday night. And then tonight, Sunday night, uh, our high school group is going to Applebee's. I know you wish you were in high school. Uh, half price apps going over to, you know, uh, Applebee's. So high school, you guys are over at Applebee's tonight over in Peters Township. You can see all that inf- information in your bulletin. And then also we're going to be talking about the extravaganza here coming up. Is anybody excited about egg hunt? I know I am. Yeah. Listen, our children's ministry team is like next level when it comes to the egg hunt. It's like every year it's just like a little bit of a notch up. And so I always say to them, like, hey, listen, I have high expectations. But they always kill it and do an awesome job. And so we're looking forward to talking more about that. And then also, too, we have our Good Friday gathering. And then we also have Easter coming up, church. I know. Uh, like, Kyle, what would you say, third spring or something like that here in Pennsylvania? It's been, and it's been nuts. Um, but, listen, uh, I want to share with you. Um, that God is doing something incredible in this church, and we're seeing people, just lives changed, families changed, all because of Christ. And so thanks thanks be to God. The birthday gift to Jesus, like, guys, this is amazing stuff, like what God is doing in our church. So thanks be to God for what he's doing in our church. This is a truly a special place, and we're thankful for it. Uh, listen, I want to share with you, uh, last night, uh, we have a, a brand-new married couple, John and Carice Debsky. So can we thank God for their marriage? It's wonderful. Very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. So, John and Carice, we love you, and uh, just very excited for your new marriage and you know, all that God's going to do through you guys. So, yeah, it was definitely a party, uh, and just just celebrating, you know, marriage is a wonderful thing. So, we're excited for John and Carice. And so, Pastor Ken has asked our good friend, uh, John Lilly, uh, from over in Avon, Indiana, at Harmony Church. 
And so, uh, you know, when I, I've been saying this for a while since Ken and I have been able to get to know these guys. But John, I know, has been a tremendous encouragement to our pastor, to Ken. And so, John, we thank God for you. So would you guys welcome uh, John Lilly to the stage? But guys, listen, there's, there comes a time when you meet somebody who's the real deal, and John's the real deal. His, him and his staff just love Christ, and this is like kingdom work. And so, John, we're just thrilled to have you here. So we just thank God for John. You guys welcome Thank you, Pastor Luke. Uh, I just want to say it's, a, it's an incredible uh, joy and honor to be back with you uh, again. I got to come for the first wedding. I got to come for the second wedding. Uh, Luke told me, Ken doesn't have any more daughters, so enjoy it. You're not coming back, right? Um, this, this, this is it. But on a serious note, I love your pastor. I love the staff. I love uh, what is taking place here at Crossroads. God is doing uh, some incredible things, and there's some incredible stories that are being written right now. And maybe your story uh, is a part of that. Maybe God is doing something in your life uh, that, that uh, might catch you by surprise, but I promise you this, it's not going to catch him by surprise. This place is a special place, and God is doing something incredible here. So pray for your pastors, pray for your staff, love them, encourage them, serve with them, uh, because again, I believe that God is doing something absolutely incredible here at Crossroads. And I'm going to tell you some of those things uh, as we go throughout the message today. Well, I know you've been in a series the past couple of weeks, and, and you've been talking about habits. Habits that make a difference in your life and habits that help you become what, what God wants you to be. And today we're just going to ask ourselves a question. And it's a question I want you to, to think about as we go throughout the message today. And it's just a question that, that's real simple. And it's this. Can you say, follow me? Can you look at your spouse? Can you look at your, your children? Can you look at your coworkers, your friends, your extended family member and say, follow me? I not only know the path to heaven, I can help you find the one who can get you there, but I can help make life a little bit better for you along the way. You see, I think a lot of us have people uh, around us that, that have good intentions, but they might not lead us to the right destination. I know that when I first became pastor at Harmony, uh, I was uh, 27, 28 years old. I had grown up in the community uh, that I was going back to. I was born in Withville, Virginia. And can I just tell you something? Withville is a nice place to be from, right? Uh, they've got great people there, but, but that's it. There, there's nothing else there. Love them, but, but I want to tell you something. They roll the sidewalks up at 5 o'clock. Everything shuts down, and there is nothing going on. My dad was a pastor there. Then he moved, and so we moved with him. And I was uh, about uh, two and a half. We moved to a little place called Avon, Indiana. And that's where I've lived the majority of my life with a, a stint with him pastoring in Terre Haute and moved back to, to Avon and uh, have been there. So I know the community. And there was this guy that was uh, in our church and his name was Larry. And Larry owned the Ford dealership. And Larry was an incredible businessman. And he had a lot of great intentions. But, but here's what Larry would say. He would say, hey, you get in your car and just follow me. This is where we're going to go. We're going to go see this individual. We're going to go to this restaurant. And, and this is the, the God's truth. I'm, I'm not exaggerating in any Anyway, because sometimes pastors and evangelists have, have a way of kind of extending the story when they're a part of it to, to dress it up a little bit. But, but this is 100% true. Larry would say, follow me, and you'd get in your car and follow him, and he'd be lost before he got out of the parking lot. 
I mean, there would be a car that was parked somewhere, and he couldn't quite see where he needed to go. Or you'd come into to one of those curb areas with some grass planted in the inside in the parking lot, and he would hit the brakes and say, okay, now which way do I go? And it was like he got confused when there was a choice that needed to be made. And as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about Larry and how many times he said, hey, just follow me. He had the best of intentions, but he would often lead us to the wrong destination. And you know what? The last thing I want my life to do is to lead someone to the wrong destination. So today, as we gather, as we kind of build on some of the things maybe that you've been talking about the, the past several weeks, but, but we put them together and, and we ask ourselves this question, can I say, follow me? Can I say to my family, the children that I love, the grandparents that have influenced my life, the mom and dad who brought me into this world, the extended family, can I say to them, Follow me as I follow Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul gave a question to the, the church at, at Corinth. And, and he, he, he made a simple statement over and over and over throughout the, their, their letter. And, and, and one of the, the things that he would refer to them was the cross of Christ. One of the things that he would point them to was, is Jesus. But over and over and over, he told them, this is, this is what I do and this is who I am. I want to do whatever it takes to reach somebody for Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 33, here's what he says. He says, Just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Think about that for, for just a moment. He says, I do what I do so that they may be saved. But then he says this in verse number 1. Of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, imitate me or follow me just as I also imitate or follow Christ. What an incredible thing. You, you would look at that and, and, and maybe at first you think, who does the Apostle Paul think he is? I mean, he, he's kind of on a high horse and, and he's kind of telling people, hey, I want you to go ahead and, and follow me because I know everything that there is to know. But that's not what Paul said. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. Paul said, look, there's some things that I know I need to do that I don't do, and some things that I do that I wish I wouldn't do. But he looks at the church at Corinth, and he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, as we look throughout the life of the Apostle Paul, and we look at his journeys, we look at his preaching, we look at his prayers, we look at moments of faith, we discover that there are many passages that we could look at and say, we need to really zone in and, and follow Paul in this passage. And we need to examine our own life and say, hey, could my family, could, could I look at my wife, could I look at my, my husband, could I look at my children and say to them, follow me as I am following Jesus in these areas. So let's go to Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that Paul and Silas are out doing ministry. And we're going to discover that in the process of doing this ministry, life takes some unexpected turns. How many of you have ever had something unexpected happen in your life before? How, how many of you have ever had unex, something unexpected turn out for good? Right? Yeah, it, it, it's been great. You, you, you were wondering how you were going to pay a bill, and you go to the mailbox, and the unexpected is there. And this time it's in your favor instead of another bill. Right? That, 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 that's a, a good thing. But, but how many of you have ever had something unexpected happen in your life? And you say, God, what am I going to do? This is not what I counted on. This is not what I, what I banked on. I want to tell you something. 
the Apostle Paul has something unexpected happen in his life, and Silas has something unexpected in, in, in his life. And, and, and it's amazing. It's almost like they double down and zero in on Jesus more and say, you know what? In the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the struggle, we're going to go ahead and ask that question. Can other people around me follow me as I'm following Jesus right now? Can other people around me benefit from the life that I'm living right now when, when the heat is turned up, when the pressure is put on, when, when, when the, the walls are coming in and life seems to be squeezing us just a little bit more? Can we look at them and say, follow me as I am following Jesus? When we look at... 1 Corinthians chapter 11, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And we go over to Acts chapter 16, and we begin to read there. There's some verses that as we walk through them, I think that it will help answer some of these questions and cause us to think about some things that we need to be asking in our life, some things we need to be inspecting and expecting in our life. In Acts chapter 16 and verse number 1, it says this, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, here's what he does. He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So so let's just walk through this again. Paul and Silas are on their way to pray. On their way to pray, they say, we're going to tell some people about Jesus. And they attempt to tell people about Jesus over the next few, few days, the next few moments of their life. And all of a sudden, there's this servant girl that's following them around and disrupting their messages. And, and Paul gets annoyed, and he turns around. He deals with the situation. We don't necessarily get everything that took place there. But all of a sudden, they're drugged before the authorities, and they're, they're in trouble for getting the attention of the city. You see, that's, that's what's happening. They're in trouble for, for getting the attention of the city. People are all of a sudden wanting their card. They're, they're wanting to know what, what, is, what is taking place. And all of a sudden, Paul and Silas have an opportunity to live a life, to live by faith in a way that is different than what they expected. But as we go back and look, we see that God is doing something real the entire time in their life. When we look at the first thing about Paul and Silas that I just want to share today and kind of walk through, it's this. Follow me in faith. Can I look at the people around me and say, follow me in faith? You see, when I look at at their story... Can I, can I look at, at their story and walk away and say, wow, these guys don't believe what they say they believe? Absolutely not. Because they've got a faith that is personal. Can I tell you something? If we're going to have faith, that faith has to be personal. Faith was intended 
to, to be personal. Some of us want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And, and here's the reality. The only way that we can live a life that's pleasing to God is by faith. The only way that we can live a life that's pleasing to God is by going the direction He wants us to go. It's by operating by obedience. And that happens on a personal level. When we think about Paul, his faith is personal. Right? I mean, right now, his faith is personal. Silas's faith is personal. The the question of the hour is this. Is our faith personal? Some would say, John, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. That's that's not what I've asked. Is is there a, a real relationship in your life that is living with Jesus and that is personal on a daily basis? Because when when our faith is personal, here's something that it is. It is passionate. It's a faith that is personal, but it's a faith that is passionate. Paul and Silas are, are, are going to find themselves in the inner prison in just a moment. And the Bible says that they sing praises and they sing hymns and they are praying. Their faith has a passion to it. You know, I, I've discovered in life that there's a lot of us that are passionate about a lot of things. Now, when the Super Bowl is on, how many of you watched the, the Super Bowl last, last Sunday night? How many of you tuned in? Some of you said my team's not not in it, right? I, I get that. My team wasn't in it either. My team doesn't look like they're ever going to be in it. The last time I was here, I confessed that growing up, I was a Cowboys fan. God forgave me of that, right? He said, we'll let you into to, to heaven anyway. And then we had this team come to Indy, and it was called the Colts. Baltimore didn't want them, so, so they moved out, out where we were. And, and, and we really didn't want them either. And then we had uh, some high moments where it was pretty good. But, but now we're kind of back trying to, to find our way again. So I didn't have a... A, a horse in the race, so to speak. I didn't have a, a team that was there, but I was watching it and, and, and looking at different things. And, and you get kind of passionate when, when a defensive stop was made or an offensive move took place and, and they're moving the, the ball down the, 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 the field. And, and I looked over and there's my daughter, Madison. And Madison is, is going to turn 15 tomorrow. So, so she's taking an interest in this thing called guys. They, they have a, a, a tension now, right? And she, she knows a, a little bit about it. And, and, and here's the reality. She knows nothing about football, but, but she knew who the quarterback for the Chiefs was. <laughs> I said, Madison, we, we need to have a talk. I just kind of slid a chair out of the way. I said, why are we so passionate about the Chiefs tonight? You're not a football fan. We've not watched a game all year. Tell me what's going on, fully knowing what, what's going on. I said, why do you like this Mahomes guy? And she smiled. I said, honey, take a good look. He's really not cute, all right? And she said, Dad. And that was it. And the smile lights up. And I said, you know what? Now I know this is why you're passionate about the game. You you don't like football, but you get a warm, fuzzy feeling when you look at Patrick. And you know what? Patrick might create a drive. And he might win a ball game. It might not be in my lifetime or your lifetime, but there's going to come a day when the passion for Patrick is forgotten. But a passion for Jesus and faith will continue on. You know what? I really don't want my little girl to, to have a crush on anybody. You say, why? Because I know guys. I am one. But here's a, here's a reality. Sometimes we get passionate in things and for things in life that, that don't necessarily matter. And our passion for Jesus pales in comparison to the passion that we have for other things. The passion that we give to other places. 
the passion that we give to, to other outlets rather than our faith and rather than our family and rather than the, the house of God and the things of God. You see, it's a faith that is personal. It's a faith that is passionate. But when we look at Paul and Silas, it's a faith that is practical. But what does that mean? It means that the faith is being lived out. You see, I wrote down a little statement. It'll come up on your screen, and it just says this. Faith is about what you believe and how you live. Sometimes we think that faith is just about what we believe, and there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and what we're really doing. And I want to tell you something. A lot of people will like your intentions, but they want to be a little more observant in what you're doing. You see, it's one thing to tell our children how to live the Christian life, and it's another thing to live it in front of them. And, and we can talk about a faith and following me and my faith, but, but when the rubber meets the road and, and life takes a turn that's unexpected, well, what do we do? How do we respond? As I was driving over with my, my 12-year-old daughter, Gabby, she, she came with me. I, I got my 12-year-old little girl to, to come on a, a trip to, to see crossroads and, and hang out in Pittsburgh and, and, and to come with me to three church services. And you say, how did you get your 12-year-old to do that? She, she must be an amazing little girl and you must be an amazing dad. And here's what I said. I said, honey, I think the hotel that we're going to stay in is going to have a swimming pool. <laughs> and I know where the mall is. And she said, now you're talking. You're speaking my language. I'll come. But in the process of coming over, a semi pulled over in front of me just kind of came out of his lane into mine. And I'm riding along, and I'm thinking about things, and, and out of nowhere, my attitude changed just like that because somebody pulled into my lane when they were not supposed to. And I changed my tone and changed my thought process, and immediately it hit me. My 12-year-old little girl is in the back. So, so do you know what I, I did? I, I, I looked in the rearview mirror, and... I thought, thankfully, she's asleep. And, and then I thought, what if she's not asleep? What, what if she, she just heard her dad get aggravated over something that really doesn't matter that much? And, and she, she hears me on Sundays and other days of the week say one thing, but, but maybe live something that's slightly disconnected the rest of the week. You see, I think one of the biggest challenges that, that the church is facing today is for believers like you and me to go out not on, on Sunday and go to church, but to go out to the places where we work, the places where we live, the places where we interact with people, the sporting events, and to live our faith and to be people of faith. Because quite honestly, I have zero trouble being spiritual on Sunday. Why? Because that's what everybody else in my world and in my life is doing. Oh, don't get me wrong. There, there's some people that test it every once in a while. There's the faithful church member that makes sure that I know that I preach too long. That, that didn't like the message or that, that would have been a good, good, good thing to do over it. But we all in, in, in encounter situations like that. But, but here's the reality. Can, can, we, can we ask the question to people around me? Follow me in my faith. How about this next thing that we see in Paul and Silas's life? And I've, I've got to move quickly. And it's this. Follow me in prayer. One of the things that Paul and Silas were doing is they were on their way to pray. The passage of scripture that we started with today, it says that they were on their way to, to pray. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is, is, is conversation with God. Think about that for just a moment. It's just conversation with God. God wants to hear from his children. 
Every morning of the week, if, when I'm in town and I can't, I don't have a hospital visit or, or, or a meeting that, that I absolutely have to be at, I, I do one thing, and I, and I do it every day that I possibly can, and I take my girls to school. I drop them off at school. Yes, there's a bus that comes by. Yes, they, they could get a ride with a friend, but I get to have conversation with them on that way. I'm not trying to protect them from the bus. I'm not trying to protect them from other people. I'm just trying to have fun with them and have a conversation with them on the way to school because those are moments that we get to share and I get to hear what's going on in their life. I get to hear what they're worried about when they get to school. I get to hear some concerns that maybe they wouldn't have talked about just a a day or two before. I get to hear their heart and I love that. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says as if I, as a father, love hearing those conversations with my children, how much more does the Heavenly Father love to hear a conversation with His children? God wants to hear from you, Crossroads. He wants to hear what's going on in your life. I love the fact that you've just come through 21 days of, of prayer. I love the fact that, that you, you joined together as a church and, and you're praying and you went through a devotional and, and you did some incredible things. I loved walking in and, and seeing a, a prayer journal that's back there for you to continue. I would, I would encourage you to pick one up on your way out and keep this prayer thing going because prayer makes a difference. Prayer is real. I love hearing Pastor Ken call and say, you're never going to believe what's, what's happening. A young guy in, in, in college picked up one of the, the prayer journals and, and he started reading through it and he got his friends together and now they're watching service online. How incredible is that? When I was here a few weeks ago for refuel and, and pastors were, were here and they broke up around the room and they prayed for other pastors. And, and now, because of a phone call that your pastor made next year, there's going to be hundreds of churches participating in a, a prayer movement and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, the way that it's going to go, the partners that are there will be impacted and people will be praying together all across the world. Why? Because there's power in prayer. You have a pastor, you have a staff that believes in the power of prayer. And I'm telling you something, they believe in it. Why? Because the Bible teaches us to the bible teaches us to what's it say about jesus jesus got up early in the morning while it was what still dark and he went and prayed he went a little further by himself and he prayed when he was on the cross he talked to the father paul and silas they went to pray and then the bible says when life got a little worse they continued to pray in verse number 25, they've been beaten, their feet are placed in stocks, and it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Why is it important to pray? Because people are sometimes listening to what we're saying. They're being impacted, whether we know it or not. A prayer is conversation with God. Prayer is humility in action. It's declaring that we're dependent upon God, that we don't have all the answers, that we need His help. I don't know about you, but there's days in my life where I desperately need the help of God. There's some days where I think I've got everything figured out, and then life throws me a curveball, and all of a sudden I, I realize, wow, you know what, I don't know as much as I thought I did. And, and in every moment like that, here's what I discover. I discover that I haven't been praying quite like I need to. Because it means I'm not as dependent upon God as I need to be. Imagine what would happen with a church committed to praying. 
talking with God, praying for their staff, praying for their pastor, praying for families around them, praying for families that are hurting, praying for their community to be impacted by Christ. Because honestly, you are a city on a hill, right? You are. And people are coming around you. And and, and I'm going to tell you something. I said this in, in the first service. This is a special place. And don't ever take it for granted. God is doing something here in your midst. Don't get used to it. Keep talking to God and keep asking God to do what He's doing and to do what only He can do because families are being put back together. People are coming to Christ. This morning we're going to have a baptismal service and we're going to celebrate that in, in just a, a, a moment. Watching people's lives be changed. Don't take it for granted. Get on your knees and say, God, would you, would you continue to do more of what you are doing? It's dependence upon God. But prayer is intended to be an attitude, not a position. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and he said, just pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I think Spurgeon summed it up best when he said this, while your hands are busy with the world, let your heart still talk with God. Think about that for just a moment. While your hands are busy with the world, let your heart still talk with God. Not in 20 sentences at a time, for such an interval might be inconsistent with your calling, but in broken sentences and interjections. He says as you go throughout your day, just keep talking to God. Why? Because there's never going to be a point in your day where you don't need to be dependent upon Him. Let me ask you something. Can you say to someone else, follow me in my prayer example? Let me ask you a question. Who are you taking in your prayer life with you. Because Paul and Silas took one another. Paul and Silas were in the the inner prison and they were praying. And here's what the Bible says. They took other inmates with them. They were listening. They were eavesdropping. They were being impacted by the faith and by the prayer of Paul. And Paul and Silas were able to say, even in the prison, you can follow me. How about this? Follow me in sacrifice. If we were to go back and read verse 22 to 24, here's what it says. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Their faith and their prayer has led them to a a prison experience. Now, some of you are, are saying right now, John, I don't know what's in the water in Indianapolis <laughs> that causes you to think that I might want to go ahead and follow in their steps, but, but that's not where I want to be. Well, here, here's the reality. Chances are that you and I are probably not going to be beaten and put in prison for going around and telling people about Jesus. But, but here is a, a, a truth, that you and I need to come to a place in our life where we're at least willing to sacrifice some comforts of this world. To not be all up in the air when things don't go our way and our faith costs us something. You see, Paul and Silas, they sacrificed physically. They were taking beatings and imprisonment. But they sacrificed socially. The magistrates, the rulers, set them out there and said, look at these guys. They don't even know where they're at. They're, they're, they're Jews and they're trying to teach us how to do something that's not lawful for us. Don't, don't they know what they're doing? Don't they know where they're at? They, they sacrifice socially. It costs them something. Let me ask you something. When, when it comes to faith and prayer and your friends and family, are, are you worried about the sacrifice that it, that it might have, that, the, the cost that it might have in, in your social circles? Worried about what other people think of, of you? 
You see, they, they, they sacrifice physically, they sacrifice socially, but, but here's something that, that's going to impact all of us, because I, I, as I was finalizing some things and going through this passage again, this just hit me and it stood out. They sacrificed retaliation. I've read this passage of Scripture a hundred times. I've preached on it multiple times throughout my life. That This is what I've, I've, I've done. I grew up in a, in, a, in a pastor's home. I've been doing this now for close to, to 30 years, and it just jumped out at me. I've read it before, but it stands out. When the jailer wakes up from the earthquake and all the doors are open, he assumes that everybody's gone. So it, he was going to take his own life. And, and here's what Paul says. Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm. We are all here. You know what Paul was doing? Paul was reaching out to him and saying, even though you've beaten us and imprisoned us and put us fast in stocks, your life still has value. Even though you hurt me, I'm going to give up my right to hurt you in return. How many relationships could be made whole? How many families could be restored if we just got over our right to retaliation? If we just said, you know what, you might have wronged me, but that was six months ago, that was 10 years ago, that was 30 years ago, I'm going to go ahead and and let that go. If we just gave up that right. If we just said, you know what, I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 33 where Paul said, everything I do, I do so that somebody might get saved. What if, what if we just got out of the way and, and got rid of that, that right to retaliate so that someone might come to the cross? What if we would give up the temporary right in our mind and the temporary hurt in our mind for something that is eternal? You see, that's what Paul did. It had an incredible impact. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes and he talks about sacrifice. And he says, to present your bodies, what? As a living sacrifice which is our reasonable service. He says, would you just take your life, your emotions, your feelings, your, your, your mind, your abilities, would you take everything and, and put it on the altar and just use it for God? Would you give everything up so that everything can be offered up to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Follow me in sacrifice. How about this? Follow me in witnessing. What is witnessing? Well, according to, to this passage of Scripture, witnessing is conversation about Christ. Think about that for just a, a moment. That, that's all it is. Let's, let's read down through this passage of Scripture. It says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, not a soft voice. He wasn't a local liberal pastor. He, he was a guy that was fundamental in his beliefs. He, he, he got into it, and he said, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, He set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Think about this. Let's walk through it quickly. What is witnessing? It's conversation about Christ. Everyone here is capable of having a conversation. The question is this. Will we have a conversation about Christ? Nowhere does it give us exactly what Paul and Silas had been saying. They were just telling people about Jesus. And maybe our story is as simple as as this. 
that sometimes we tell about our life before Christ, and then we tell how we came to Christ, and then we tell about our, our life after Christ. Sometimes it's just talking about the goodness of God and what he has because the, the prisoners heard it now. The, the, the guard wants to hear it, and, and, and then his household hears it. It spread from the prisoners. The guard wakes up at the earthquake. He wants in on it, and then his family gets in, gets in on it. We can't contain the gospel of Jesus, and I'm willing to go ahead and sacrifice socially and physically for you. I'm willing to, to, to go ahead and lay my life out there and let you use me. Do you know what's going to happen? God's going to give you opportunities to have some conversations about him, to have some conversations about his son. And you're going to be able to have some conversations that will be contagious. Other people will hear. He had a conversation about Christ. That conversation was contagious. It spread. But do you know what the Bible says in verse number 34? It says, And then they came into the, his house... He set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with his household. They rejoiced. You know what that means? They celebrated. I want to tell you something. There was a wedding here yesterday. And there was a time of celebration and God was honored. But you know what? The Bible says that there's one thing that all of heaven rejoices in and celebrates. And that's when a sinner comes to Christ. Think about that. Think about that. It gets God's attention. If it gets God's attention and all heaven's attention, it should get our attention. We look at follow me in witnessing, but quickly we wrap it up with this. Follow me to finish well. Follow me to finish well. Crossroads, you've got some great things taking place here. You're praying. People are coming to Christ. People are going to be baptized. There's some incredible things unfolding. But do you know what God wants for you and he wants for me? He wants when we cross that finish line and we enter into heaven, he wants to be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And as we look at the book of Acts, Paul is kind of doing this thing called life, and, and he's going and he's growing, and he's in the thick of things. But if we go over to, to Timothy, 2 Timothy, we find out that Paul is, is ready to wind things up. And he says in verse number 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the, the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Demas isn't going to finish well. Demas has, has walked away. Having loved this present world, I've often wondered, how, how, how many times does the love of the present world get in the way of our living for Christ? Does it keep us from witnessing? Does it diminish our faith? Does it diminish our prayer life? He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Just a side note, Mark quit years earlier. Paul gave up on him, but God never did. And God's now using him. And Paul says, hey, I want you to go ahead and bring John Mark back. For some of you that may have gotten out of the game a while back, today is your day to get back in. 
to say, okay, God's not done with me. God has something to do in my life. He wants me to finish well. He says, Antichius, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Paul is winding down his life, and the parchments, scholars tell us, is the portions of the written word of God that they would have had at this time. And Paul says, my life is ready to be poured out. It's coming to an end. It's coming to a close. But I want more of God's word in my life because God's word is the thing that makes me effective and God's word is the thing that will influence my faith, my prayer, my witness, my sacrifice, and me finishing well. He said, could you bring it with you because I want more of it in my life. How did Paul say, follow me as I follow Jesus? He had a desire for God and his word more than he desired anything else. And today, if you're going to be able to look at your family and your friends and say, follow me as I follow Jesus, it starts with a personal relationship, a faith that is real and personal, that becomes passionate and is practical. It moves into our prayer life and praying with God and praying with others and taking someone on that journey with us. It continues into what we're willing to sacrifice for, what we'll lay ourselves out there before God, and it continues in our witness. And that helps us finish well. Today, Crossroads, can you say, follow me as I follow Jesus? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Today, maybe you're not certain that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe there's never been a time where you've nailed it down and you've said, I know I'm a sinner. My life is not perfect. I've missed God's mark. But I'm going to invite Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I'm going to put my trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'm going to trust him to be my Savior. If there's never been that moment, if there's never been that time, then right here, right now, would you pray a simple prayer that goes something like this? Jesus, the best I know how, today I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm asking you to be my Savior. If you'll pray a simple prayer like that from your heart to God's heart, I promise that he will save you. He says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've not done that, Today, would you do it? And if you do it today, would you let one of these guys that are on the stage, myself, Pastor Luke, one of the the people that's going to be baptizing the other Pastor Luke, let let him know. Let them know that you've you've made that decision. If you're online, let let the, the, the staff know through a response there. They want to help you grow in that relationship with Christ. But maybe today you've already trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe today you're one that's saying, John, I honestly need to talk to God so that I can say, Follow me in my faith so that I can say, follow me in my prayer. Or maybe for you it's a witness or that area of sacrifice. There's some incredible things that are taking place here at Crossroads. But when we can come to a place where we say, follow me as I follow Jesus, and every one of us is taking that to heart and seriously, God will continue to do more. Today, would you make that your prayer? Would you say, God, help me to be one that can say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and we ask you, Father, to work in a way that only you can. Lord, we ask you to do what only you can do. And God, we ask that you would move in the rest of this service today for one that might need to know 
who you are as Savior. Help them to trust you today. Father, for those that need to make a response on their own, that right where they are, they'll respond to you as you're leading them right now. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Would you stand as we respond and sing? i 
Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? So, what was it last? It was last Sunday that we did a uh, we did a baptism class, and we had a bunch of people come out, both with our children's ministry and our youth ministry, who said, "I'm interested in in getting baptized." You know, what is it? Why do we get baptized? What does it look like? I have so many questions. And from that baptism class today, we have two students, one who's a fourth grader and one who's a 12th grader. And so we're super. Yep. Give them a hand. We are so excited to do this, to take another step in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so I'm going to give it to Chrissy, and she has a couple of questions. All right. Go ahead. Do you want to tell everybody your name? My name is Tori, and I'm 10 years old. And what do you like to do? I like listening to music and making art. And what's your favorite verse? My favorite verse is John 3:16 because God loves us so much that he wants us to live with him. And when did you ask Jesus into your heart? At VBS, I want to be baptized because I want to show people that I'm a Christian. That's so awesome, Tayrori. So I I have one question for you. Have you decided to accept Jesus into your heart? Yes? All right, so get on your knees for me. Or, yep, there, perfect. So on that profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You want to go up that way? Awesome. And next up, we have her older sister, Grace Baker. Give her a hand, guys. How are you doing? You excited? Good. Can I have that? Thank you. Yeah, now hopefully I don't destroy this mic with my wet hands, but, you know, it'll be fine. (laughs) So... Grace, why do you want to be baptized? Um, I want to get baptized so I can show people that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Awesome. Awesome. I also know that you have a verse that you would like to share with everybody. Um, my favorite verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Good. Now, Grace, I'm going to ask you the same question I, I asked Terori. Have you decided to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior? Yes. Awesome. So on the profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. <laughs> absolutely love seeing students come to say, I want to take the next step in obeying Jesus and getting baptized to show us, the church, that I am a Christian. 
And so I'm so glad that these students have taken that step of faith. And now it's our job as a church body to continue to take them on the faith journey. So thank you guys all for coming, and I'll take it to Luke. Hey, guys, we thank God for that. Isn't that amazing, the testimony? Hey, guys, can we give it up for our guest speaker, Pastor John Lilly? We thank God for him. Would you guys stand as we're dismissed? Go in peace. We love you guys so much.